Hey, yo, welcome to the Sixers Talk Podcast. Danny Pommel's here with Noah Levick. Super producer Ben Barry is in the wings on this one. Always something to talk about. We have our Kings insider, James Ham coming up a bit later to discuss just all the rumors and speculation you hear with maybe Ben Simmons uh, being tied to a potential trade partner with the Kings and what the Sixers could reap from that type of trade if it were to happen. But, um, you know, it's funny, uh, a tweet just goes a long way these days, Noah. And uh, among the other topics that are out there to discuss, you know, you got Quentin Mayo, one of our Washington Wizards insiders from NBC Sports Washington, just putting out there that Damian Lillard prefers the Sixers and the Knicks as trade destinations, according to his sources. Did that catch you off guard as much as it caught me off guard, Noah? Did that all of a sudden the Sixers seem to be one, two, uh, as the odds on favorite to land Damian Lillard? Yeah, like you said, it, it's ultimately um, a tweet. So you got to uh, put it in the proper context. Um, Damian Lillard's press conference uh, at, for USA Basketball after there was a true hoop report that he was going to request a trade, I thought was interesting and a little more illuminating than I expected and that he did acknowledge he doesn't see the current Portland Trailblazers team as a championship contender. And in his mind, it's essentially mandatory that the team that Portland assembles is capable of being in the championship mix. So putting even greater pressure on that organization, even if he's not going as far as to boldly say in a USA basketball press conference setting that he's requesting a trade. So I did think that was a notable uh, development in the last week or so, as far as where exactly he might want to go. He was pretty steadfast in saying he hasn't made any firm decisions on his future. If we do get in place where uh, this reporting is, is backed up or literally alert, he's even saying it himself that he wants to go to the Sixers uh, I don't think it would be a huge shock because the Sixers do have Joel Embiid, an MVP runner-up. They do have Tobias Harris, a borderline all-star. And though they lost in the second round, uh, they were the one of the favorites to win the Eastern Conference and were, were the conference's top seed. So, look, I think the Sixers, uh, at least in theory, are potentially an attractive destination for him or any other star. But my sense is it's a little bit too early to definitively say, you know, yes, Lillard is going to be in Philadelphia and he badly wants to play there. But certainly all this buzz and the tweets and the reporting and the drama about it is uh, continues to be very interesting to follow. I thought it was interesting that uh, it was two Eastern Conference teams that supposedly at the top of the list and are the odds on favorite according to some uh, sports betting organizations that the Sixers have a chance to land Damian Lillard, um, you know, leaving the Western Conference definitely could ha give him a, a less difficult path to get to the uh, the NBA championship. I wouldn't say it's easier, but, uh, you know, less difficult, I think, sums it up a little bit better because um, with the way the Brooklyn Nets are, are coming together and the Atlanta Hawks and what they showed us here and making their push as well as the Milwaukee Bucks, who I think are a good prototype for the Sixers and how they can overcome some of their adversity to get to the championship with the Bucks finishing as the top team 
two years in a row and it was them finally being a third seed that got them into the Eastern Conference Finals. Who knows what the Sixers will do next season after being the number one seed. But, um, you know, once again, my attitude is like the state of Missouri. You got to show me. And for the Sixers to land Lillard, who has almost $200 million left on his contract over four years, um, the numbers have to work. So uh, Ben Simmons and who and and how does that all come together is, is what I'm waiting to hear. So, you know, you said hit the nail on the head, putting it in a proper context really would do Sixers fans and anyone else interested in landing Lillard. The, the right thing to do is to put it in a proper context and take it with a grain of salt and let the market develop because I, I could all it's only going to intensify the 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 uh, discussion and the talk of where Lillard will land and how Simmons will factor into the Sixers plans. And if those two things converge, uh, is only going to intensify. So I'm just waiting to see what happens, but we, we got to get, get him on here. I mean, uh, Quentin needs to come on and, and discuss and elaborate on that a little bit more. We're going to work on that for the next show. Today, we're talking King's uh, possibilities, which we'll get to in a bit. But um, do you feel like Lillard and Embiid, and let's just say Tobias Harris, is the core that can get them over the hump? Does that do you envision it that way? If, if if this all were to work out, where possibly Simmons and another player or two helps them get Lillard? Absolutely. I mean, that's on paper, you know, one of the best trios in the NBA. So it's you know, there's obviously a, a point where it's too much, but you'd have to imagine that bar should be very high for the Sixers and as was the case with James Harden, part of the relevant consideration is just, are you willing to part with Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thibel, draft picks, et cetera. But uh, I think most permutations of, are you willing to give up X and Y? The answer is probably yes, if you're forming that. (laughs) If you read the Damian Lillard. Yeah, and, and I think, Sure. This is Ben Simmons' 25th birthday, you know, Lillard being 31. You know, there there is a little bit of consternation there if you really want to get to the nitty gritty um, as far as how things might play out. But not to interrupt you, but um, just just worth worth putting out there. Yeah, no, it's a big, big milestone uh, for Ben Simmons, number number 25. I think, yeah, it's it's tough with Lillard because you've got the draft coming up here in under 10 days. We've talked about with Ben Simmons, if you're, if you're dealing with uh, a rebuilding sort of team, one of those teams might want to be trading a high draft pick in a Simmons deal. Uh, so this little window here, at least in theory, is one where something's going to develop. It might happen soon. But with Lillard, as you mentioned, he has four years left on this very big contract. So it's really not comparable to Harden in that aspect because this is someone uh, who is under contract still for a very long time and he has not demanded a trade. He's placed pressure on his team's front office to assemble a better team around him, but we're not at the point where James Harden is throwing basketballs at rookies and publicly uh, declaring that he needs to play somewhere else like Damian Lillard, at least thus far has not been nearly that direct or confrontational. So when we talk about how 
things could or are most likely to play out. Sure, something could feasibly happen over the next eight or nine days, but there's a real shot it it lingers into next season, even the season after, you know, who knows? Um, it's kind of just a wait and see. And uh, a lot of this is in Damian Lillard's court, exactly what he wants to do and how he wants to dictate uh, the situation. Damian Lillard, the Sixers, Damian Lillard, the Knicks, Damian Lillard, the Kings. Like, really? Hmm. Um, it, they have been in the mix. I've mentioned among a handful of teams that have aggressively pursued Damian Lillard. Let's uh, get more on that, more on the Simmons-King situation um, from uh, James Ham, our NBC Sports Bay Area, NBC Sports California Kings insider. Pleasure that he was able to join us here on the Sixers Talk podcast. Uh, here's our discussion with him. Ready to make a move? A Wilmington University education can take you where you want to go. WilmU works online or in person. Learn more at wilmu.edu. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's gonna be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Well, James, it's funny. Um, dance partners aren't always mutual dance partners. So I think the question a lot of people want to know is, even with the fact that Ben Simmons is a name that a lot of teams are attracted to, what is the the temperature with King's ownership, the front office, and the fans in general with a guy like Ben Simmons landing on your team? Yeah, I think the Kings would love to have a player like Ben Simmons. I mean, clearly they're one of the worst defensive teams historically in the NBA last season. Um, you know, they're basically, they're a team that can score at will, but when you're losing 135 to 125, that doesn't really help anything. So they like uh, Ben's athleticism, his defensive capabilities, his ability to be a secondary ball handler and, and set up man. Um, but again, the, the cost is always going to be the question. And, you know, we've already heard that the, the Kings had offered a package, including Buddy Heald, um, probably a couple of first round picks, maybe uh, a guy like Marvin Bagley or a guy like DeLon Wright. But as of right now, you know, I think we're going to have to wait and see. Like the NBA world is blowing up. We're seeing guys like Damian Lillard potentially become available. And I think there's so many moving pieces here that while the Kings would love to have a player like Ben Simmons, it has to be at the right price. It has to make sense for everybody involved. De'Aaron Fox would presumably be a player of interest for the Sixers. In Sacramento, what's the feel on his trajectory? Is there a sense that He's taken more threes now. He can improve defensively, and he can eventually become an elite all-star caliber player. Um, did the Kings see him that way moving forward? 
Yeah. I mean, he averaged 25 and seven this season. I mean, on paper, he really, he's coming along really, really nicely for this team. And look, we're looking at a, a franchise that's missed in the lottery so many times. I mean, over the course of the last 15 years, they haven't made the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, they drafted Thomas Robinson instead of Damian Lillard. They drafted, you know, Jimmer for debt before both Clay Thompson and Kawhi Leonard went. Uh, they passed on CJ McCollum, even though they brought him in three times for interviews. Uh, they passed on him for Ben McLemore. So this is a team that's missed. Now, when you get a player like Fox, they finally hit a home run. And I just don't see the Kings giving up De'Aaron Fox in any situation when it comes to Ben Simmons. Because to be honest with you, I think the Kings believe that De'Aaron Fox is a better player than Ben Simmons. And he has a better trajectory than Ben Simmons. So I would say that Fox is off the table in a trade. Uh, that doesn't mean that other players aren't on the table, that they haven't had discussions about other players. But look, when you've missed so many times and you finally got a guy who not only you've built your team around, the entire franchise is basically built around this guy. But on top of that, he wants to be in Sacramento. He said it repeatedly. He wanted to be drafted by the Kings. He wanted to sign an extension. He signed a full five-year extension with no out clause, no nothing, no, no trade clause. Uh, he definitely wants to be in Sacramento. So you got a guy who wants to be here, and that's not always the case with the Kings. I just don't see them letting him go. And then I guess perhaps a similar category is Tyrese Halliburton, arguably you know, one of the best picks in the last draft. Um, would you put him in that same class of they hit on that pick and he is in all likelihood a core part of Sacramento's future? Yeah, I mean, they believe that Halliburton and Fox are the future of the Kings. That doesn't mean that, you know, if, if a deal gets big enough that you're not going to at least, at least listen, um, but it would, it would take a ton. And just going back to sort of the Fox situation, Fox is the one pick that you really have from the Vlade Divac era, right? Well, Monty McNair stepped in. He hit a home run with his first pick as, as the general manager of the Kings. So you're always going to have that little bit more of a tie with somebody that you drafted, that you were the one who, who gets to, if he becomes an all-star level player, that's going on your resume. And to give him up after one season, it would be tough. I, I think the Kings would prefer any package that, that they look at. I think that they would prefer to give up a, an additional future first round pick over a guy like Halliburton. And I know, you know, Philly wants to get better quick and Philly wants to, you know, sort of keep their run going, but add pieces, not just subtract. So, you know, Halliburton would be a player that would make a lot of sense for them. But at the same time, you know, the Kings are, their three-headed monster would look more like Ben Simmons with Halliburton and Fox. That would be their perfect scenario. And that doesn't mean that they don't have pieces that could help the 76ers. They could help them win now, you know, a guy like Buddy Heald, a guy like Harrison Barnes, uh, even taking a flyer on a guy like Marvin Bagley, while he hasn't worked out perfectly in Sacramento, he still is a, a walking 14 and a half points and seven rebounds a game, eight rebounds a game in, in 25 minutes. Like that team could use a backup like him or a guy who can step in and, and play alongside some of their big players. So I, I think there is common ground here, but Halliburton and Fox are going to be difficult to pry out of Sacramento. With all these names and details, we're really just waiting for the market to continue to take shape. And part of that taking shape is Damian Lillard. And it's just interesting because Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer mentions these teams that have been like in hot pursuit of Dame Lillard and among the Knicks and the Sixers and the Heat 
there sits the Sacramento Kings that supposedly are trying to snag Damian Lillard from the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, you mentioned Monty McNair and maybe the front office's aggression as a whole. Um, how surprised were you to see the Kings name mentioned among those teams? And do you feel like the Kings could probably play a part in maybe a trade that lands Lillard in, in Philly, but the Kings also reap some benefits from maybe a three-way deal? Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at this this puzzle that we're looking at right now, because that's what it is, this is a giant puzzle. How do we figure it all out? And when you see the Kings attached to both the 76ers and the, the Blazers, I think it just adds sort of an intrigue to it, right? So there is possibilities here. And McNair stepped into this job knowing sort of the history and knowing how difficult his path is forward. And he was part of a team in Houston that made – a gigantic trade to go out and get James Harden when he was a young player, but that's what he wants. He wants to build around the superstar. And if you can find that, that's, that's one thing. Like if you can go trade for Damian Lillard, if he becomes available, you know, how much do you have to give up? Can you actually field a team around him? That would make sense. I think Damian Lillard in Philadelphia makes a ton of sense. I think Ben Simmons in Sacramento makes a ton of sense. But now, what is it that makes sense for the Portland Trailblazers? Is it is it a stack of picks? Is it guys like Buddy Heald that can hold down a position for two years while you're trying to sort of recover from the loss of Damian Lillard, and then you go into some other phase? Um, so I, I think there is there's a possibility for a lot of common ground between these three teams, especially with all of the moving pieces. But again, I, I don't see the Kings just outwardly shopping De'Aaron Fox or Tyrese Halliburton in any one of these deals. If you're going for Damian Lillard, you're going to have to give up one of them for sure. But I don't see Ben Simmons in the same category as Damian Lillard. I mean, basically you got a player who's young. He can do a lot of things, but he also has some major, major issues in his game. And you just had like his head coach, his best player and your veteran leader throw him under a bus after the season. So his, his value isn't nearly where it could be if you waited a year and hope that things got better. But then again, are you going to waste another year of the rest of the players' careers waiting to see if he hits those benchmarks? Also say this, the thing that really confuses any deal between the 76ers and the Kings is that Dave Yeager is hiding on that bench in Philadelphia. <laughs> and I know Dave really well. Uh, you know, he was a coach here in Sacramento for three years and a big reason why he's not the coach of the Kings anymore is Marvin Bagley and Buddy Heald. Like there, there were, you know, some internal stuff that went on between those guys, but also family members and media. And like there was, and Brandon Williams, you know, a, a former assistant GM, there was like some muddied water there. And if I'm the 76ers and I'm collecting data and resource information on players that I might bring in, especially players that make, you know, 23, $24 million like Buddy Hield, uh, then I'm going to want to like, you know, investigate and I'm going to go to a guy like Jaeger and say, what do you think? And I think at, at the end of the day, I'm not sure that Jaeger would sign off on a deal that included either or both of those players, uh, just because he has, you know, really good knowledge of who they are as players and sort of their trajectory. He did get so much out of Buddy Heald in his uh, in the season that you know the Kings were fun to watch. They won 39 games. They're the fastest team in the league. Buddy Heald is averaging over 20 points a game. But again, if you take Buddy Heald and you put him on the 76ers, 
I actually think he thrives. I think he's right back up to 20 points a game. His ability to stretch the floor really does help that team. It, it's probably a better fit player than a guy like Ben Simmons. And while they aren't equal value at this point, you know, could it be equal or better value for this, for the 76ers? And the answer is yes, it could actually work out. So again, I think it's complicated. This, this is a, a puzzle that would take multiple things to happen, but for anything to work out between the two teams. Um, but I, I at least think it's, it's good conversation. What you said about Dave Yeager, uh, obviously interesting. Uh, Dockers has talked about him as an influential member of the Sixer staff, someone who installed a lot of new offensive concepts for this team. Uh, just in a broad sense, what can you tell us about his strengths and some of the, perhaps the weaknesses you alluded to as a coach? Yeah, I mean, as far as strengths, Dave Yeager is one of the best X's and O's guys that you're going to come across. Coming out of timeouts, uh, end of quarters, end of halves, I mean, the Kings won way more games than they should have won in, in his third season here in Sacramento. And, you know, he went from his grit and grind days with, with the Memphis Grizzlies. And then in his, his first season in Sacramento, I mean, he had a, a stacked roster of veterans with, you know, Buddy, I mean, uh, well, you, you traded for Buddy eventually, but uh, DeMarcus Cousins, Rudy Gay, um, Matt Barnes, you know, it was a veteran team, right? And in year two, all of those players were gone midway through the season, like uh, your entire roster was gone. And then going into the third season, you had, you know, all of these young draft picks from the year before, and you're trying to figure out how to reinvent yourself. So the one thing I really liked about what Dave did in Sacramento, they said, look, that's who I was. I was grit and grind because I had Marcus all and I had Zebo and, you know, Mike Connolly. We, we had a team that was built for this, but he turned up the volume in Sacramento and they just stole games. I mean, the, their ability to get up and down the court was incredible. And actually part of the reason why Luke Walton is, is on the hot seat or, or was on the hot seat or fans don't really like Luke Walton, a, a good portion of the fan base doesn't like Luke Walton is because he took basically a Ferrari and he took two of the tires off <laughs> in, in his first year. And everyone was like, we had this young and exciting team. And Jaeger would have been the first one to tell you, that wasn't sustainable. And he was, while they were running, he was still trying to teach them how to play basketball. Most of his team did not know how to play basketball at all. And now we're starting to see, can, can Walton reap the benefits? So those are the pluses of, of Jaeger. I think his adaptability in and out of timeouts is amazing. Um, he, he's a guy who, you know, his players for the most part, they like him. But sort of, I, I think the, the downfall to Jaeger is he doesn't always play nice. And, you know, we saw that with the Brandon Williams situation in Sacramento. And I don't blame Dave for that at all. I, I mean, you had a, an assistant GM who decided to, to go in and, and stir the pot when there was no reason. I mean, the team was winning and went to the press and, and, you know, really stirred the pot in Sacramento. And Dave wanted him out and Vladi tried to play peacemaker and it didn't work out. Um, Vladi, the ultimate peacemaker, couldn't get these two guys in a room the entire season. Uh, Brandon Williams wasn't allowed in the practice facility or at shoot arounds. He showed up at one shoot around. Dave stopped shoot around and said, we're not doing this until he leaves. Um, this went on and on in Sacramento. So, you know, I, I think Dave will learn, have learned from this situation, but he's an excellent coach and he should be a, an NBA head coach. Again, he probably just needed a year to, to cool off and to really find some success as an assistant. Um, but uh, like, I don't think that there's any question that he'll be a head coach in the NBA again. 
just to go back to something you said about Jaeger increasing the pace, Ben Simmons, obviously one of the fastest players in the league, Darren Fox is in that same company. So is there a sense that stylistically Sacramento wants to return to that uh, type of play where they're getting out in transition a lot? Yeah, I think so. Uh, but they need to do it and play defense at the same time. And that's the problem. You know, that's, that's always going to be the rub. I honestly, Ben Simmons, his inability to shoot is a big red flag when it comes to playing alongside a guy like De'Aaron Fox. But if you look deeper into the numbers, what I really like about Simmons is he posted a really low usage rate. Actually, his usage rate was right below Buddy Hield's as far as, you know, it was a little over 20 on the season. But his assist rate is like 31 point something. It's, it's like 1% less than De'Aaron Fox. So basically what you have is a low usage, high assist rate guy that doesn't always have to have the ball in his hands. But you look at De'Aaron Fox numbers as a catch and shoot shooter, Halliburton as a catch and shoot shooter, uh, Harrison Barnes, all of their numbers skyrocket when they're playing off the ball and just catching and shooting the three. So I think there is a way for them to really, really work together in Sacramento. And I think it would be fun, a fun brand of basketball. And he brings a defensive edge that the Kings just don't have. They, they've got to figure out. I think there will be some complexities if they were to make a deal, especially if you brought back Rashawn Holmes. Like, how do you deal with almost three guys on the court who aren't knocked down three-point shooters or two of which don't shoot threes at all? So you're going to have to get creative. But if you were pushing the tempo, getting out and running, um, I, I think that this could be a really fun brand of basketball. And Simmons' ability to rebound and then outlet and lead the break, um, but with some of the fastest guards in the league running alongside him, I think that that makes a, a ton of sense. Uh, and I've, I've said this too, if I'm the Kings I, and I've got Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes, who basically makes very similar, they're within 2 million bucks of each other. And I'm Philadelphia and I'm looking at Harrison Barnes, uh, a front line that of Embiid, Harrison Barnes and Tobias Harris. That's really intriguing to me. It, while Harrison Barnes isn't an all-star player, he's a very, very good NBA player that does almost everything extremely well. He's, he's not just a, a, you know, again, he's a little bit below what a Tobias Harris is, but if you had a front line that meant that looked that way, I think it's intriguing. And if Ben Simmons had a guy like Buddy Heald to pass to, and he's playing the four uh, and you still have that guy who can stretch the floor uh, and Buddy, I think that would make a lot of sense too. So again, I think there's a lot of different ways that these two teams could, could come together to make a deal work. So much of uh, what the Sixers team currently is was built on the foundation of the process. And many Sixers fans still hold, uh, you know, fond memories of guys who helped usher the organization through that time. And one of those guys would be Rashawn Holmes. Um, I guess it's weird to see him in such a great situation because of where he was here with the Sixers, but he's really blossomed in Sacramento but do the numbers make sense for him to stay in with the Kings or where do you see him landing as this uh, free agency period kind of creeps up, creeps up on us here in August? Yeah, I know they're looking for a four-year $80 million contract and there's just no way for the Kings to match that. Uh, and actually the Kings are in a weird That's situation. That's what uh, uh, Rashawn's camp is looking for. Yeah, Rashawn's camp sure. is looking for that. Yeah, and, and so that's, that's an unfortunate situation because to be honest with you, I'm not sure he's going to get that. And if he does, then more power to him. You know, he is an outstanding young guy. Uh, he's, he's a guy who puts it all out on the court every single night. And he's so incredibly efficient, both on the offensive end and on the defensive end. 
And, you know, he's a guy that he can play with almost anyone on the defensive side. He can defend uh, guards on the perimeter, which I I didn't think he was going to be able to do, but the way he's shown an ability to defend guards, he can defend stretch fours. He can defend fives. He's, he does get overpowered on occasion by some of the bigger fives and, and that becomes a problem. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's got to make sense for everybody. The Kings can't keep giving out $20 million a year contracts for a 36 win team. That just doesn't make any sense. So you have to figure out a way. And, and as of right now, I mean, the Kings have his early bird rights. The best they can offer him as of right now is right around four years and $50 million. So they're about 30 million low of what they, of what his people are, are looking for. His camp is looking for. So how do you make that work? That's, that's always going to be the question. And I'm not sure that you can without, you know, giving away a guy like Marvin Bagley for a second round pick or a late first round pick and just saving the money or a guy like DeLon, right. The Kings would have to open up like between, you know, nine and $12 million in order to make a deal work, uh, with what Holmes is really looking for. And even still, I'm not sure Holmes is going to get that, that $20 million a year contract. So, you know, can you come up with a four year 60? Can you get to four year 65 or four year 70? You're going to have to work with the numbers here on both sides. Uh, if they're going to, if they're going to make it work and at, look, I hope he sticks around. The Kings just can't keep losing really good NBA players for nothing. Like they did last summer with Bogdan Bogdanovich and we're watching him play in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, you know, they really have to find a way. They're not a team with a ton of talent to start with, and they're not a, a landing spot for, for top-tier free agents. They've got to find a way to at least keep or get value for some of their talent. Here's James Ham for NBC Sports Bay Area, California, the Kings insider. We appreciate your time, James. You might be back depending on how all this plays out. Uh, we will keep you a uh, abreast of all things happening with Ben Simmons should the Kings uh, make a move or whatever happens with Damian Lillard as well. We appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Ready to make a move? A Wilmington University education can take you where you want to go. WilmU works online or in person. Learn more at wilmu.edu. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. James was uh, pretty on point there. We even had a longer discussion after we stopped recording just about what we had heard regarding the trade and just any other things around the NBA. So we appreciate him joining us. Um, Very sharp guy. Uh, Noah, anything you picked up on that he uh, talked about, you know, it's funny. um, I I like some of the points he made about, you know, the comparisons between 
you know, Ben's usage rate and how that is, is one of those, you know, well-kept secrets maybe about, you know, how he affects the game on the court and the fact that, you know, him coming to the Kings with that usage rate and not needing the ball as much could benefit their team. But I think it, it still inevitably might be a three-team deal that lands if Lillard was to come to the Sixers. I think it's a three-team deal that might facilitate that. But um, Simmons on either Portland or the Kings, I could see it. But um, anything he said that stuck out for you? Yeah, I thought what he said about Dave Yeager and that being a factor to consider was fascinating. And just in a broad sense, it's worth noting because I think a lot of times when we're analyzing potential transactions, we sort of remove the human element. Like, no, the people you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis and the history you have with them is actually uh, pretty important. So I thought he had um, great insight on that subject. And then I thought um, it was intriguing to hear him say that the Kings are somewhat looking to refer uh, return to that faster tempo because I remember that Kings team when Dave Yeager was the coach just how fast they played and with Fox and thinking maybe if they get a few better pieces pieces around the margins or hit on a draft pick like Halliburton that this can be a really fun exciting uh, team and that hasn't really materialized so I can absolutely even more understand after speaking with him why Ben Simmons would be appealing to the Kings but as we talked about in our last podcast, it's just tough to see that being a super attractive trade partner for the Sixers if De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton are not involved, despite uh, James making valid points about Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes you know, bringing some positive qualities to the table. They're just not in that tier of players of uh, De'Aaron Fox. So uh, yeah, super uh, interesting insight uh, from the Sacramento perspective. All things considered, uh, the NBA Finals uh, championship could be awarded uh, NBA Finals championship. That sounds like so weird to say it like that. Um, the title could change hands from the West to the Eastern Conference was my point. And uh, game six tonight in Milwaukee, uh, the Suns blew it on their home floor. Everyone's calling out Chris Paul for his inconsistency. Um lauding Giannis Antetokounmpo for his game-winning moments. Of course, we had the block in game four. We had the alley-oop here from Drew Holiday in game five. Um, Each of us picked the Suns to win this thing. Um, I did think, depending on if we got healthy Giannis or not, might sway me toward the Bucs, but this isn't how I expected it to play out. But are you still leaning Suns? Do you feel like they have a, a, car, a, a trick up their sleeve or do you think that the Bucks close it out here tonight? No. Yeah, I'm surprised with how, how it's played out. I was, I was confident that the Suns would get this done in, I think I said, six games and somewhat skeptical of Milwaukee. So They were a little cocky, though. Fans were a little cocky. That, that, par- that parade with the Western Conference, you know, that, standing on top of the cars and all that with, with the Western yeah. Conference Championship, was a little mm-hmm. much, but they were feeling good about themselves, and they they still, in my mind, have a have a well balanced team. But you've seen late in games that Devin Booker has been exclusively a scorer. You know, it's kind of been all on his shoulders, and he's made some really tough shots. Ooh, Mini Mamba? Are you talking about Mini Mamba? <laughs> Mamba, yeah. Um, and look, you know, game five really could have gone either way. And the fact that Drew Holiday had such a breakout game and then makes the huge clutch play with the steal on Booker and the alley-oop to Giannis is ultimately what decides that game. So 
you know, hat tip to him, kind of one of the original members of the process. I guess, I guess if I had to make a call one way or the other, I'll say uh, the Suns get it done tonight. And then Milwaukee, and I'll say Milwaukee wins it in seven because Giannis has been far and away the best player in a series with a lot of really good players. And we saw him hitting jumpers too in game five. I mean, square up jumpers. Yeah, I mean, I, I think even though we we're talking about, you know, an MVP player just in the minds of a lot of fans and people who watch the NBA, he wasn't quite in that elite, like, this is already an all-time great caliber, you know, all-time great sort of player category, and I think now he very much is and can cement that even further, obviously, if he wins a title, and it's also been really cool to see Chris Middleton and him as a duo that's been together for a long time and is now getting it done on the biggest stage. But um, yeah, Holiday, Holiday breaking out in that game. And let's face it, he's had some clunkers offensively in this, in this postseason, but uh, he delivered there when they needed it most. So uh, I'm sure for a lot of Sixers fans, that was cool to see. I don't see them giving up game six at home the way I, I expect the Milwaukee fans to be like on full tilt as we've seen them, even on the bro games, the deer district that they feature often, uh, you know, is always pretty lit, but I, you know, it's, it's just weird to me how, um, you know, we got players like Devin Booker and Chris Paul who have an opportunity at home, but don't win. And then, you know, you think that the bucks might close it out on the floor in game seven. It, you know, the home court advantage doesn't mean as much as you think sometimes. Um, it, it just all depends on the moments and the situations and which players show up and how they capitalize on opportunities. So um, it'll be must-see TV. Uh, I think game tips off just after 9 o'clock. So um, we'll, we'll be here talking about it depending on – because it, it, it will sway things depending on where free agents want to go and things like that. Um, if, if the Bucks win the title, I could see them – really being a destination for people because Giannis's youth and Chris Middleton and, and them being a Drew Holiday as well, like their core right there, you know, could attract people to go there um, to, uh, to be, um, you know, to build something, to, to be a part of what they're doing. But um, we appreciate you guys listening to the Sixers Talk podcast brought to you by Wilmington University. Wilm U works for Noah Levick. I'm Danny Pommels. And we thanks James Ham for uh, appearing with us and Ben Barry as well, the super producer extraordinaire. We will see you next time.